0: Section 20 of The Ocean A General Account of the Science of the Sea. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Ocean A General Account of the Science of the Sea by John Murray. Chapter 10 The Geospheres, Part 2. The Tectosphere. A great many recent seismic, geodetic, gravity, and geological researches go to confirm what had long been indicated, that there is, at a depth of somewhere about thirty miles beneath the surface of the earth, a more or less heterogeneous and stony layer which, under varying conditions of temperature and pressure, becomes solid, viscous, or even liquid. It is to this layer, interposed between the relatively cold, solid, heterogeneous acid lithosphere, and the highly heated, solid, relatively homogeneous, basic, and metallic centrosphere that the writer a good many years ago gave the name of tectosphere. This plastic layer is believed to be the region in which isostatic adjustment and compensation take place, and it apparently lies at a deeper level under the continents composed of lighter, more acid, and less fusible materials than under the ocean's floor where the rocky materials are apparently heavier, more basic, and more fusible. We may suppose that when, through loss of heat, the great deep-seated centrosphere suffers contraction, the outer lithosphere is adjusted to the diminished volume through flow changes in the rocks of the tectosphere, this flow being generally in the direction of the continental masses, the general tendency being slowly to elevate the continental earth blocks and relatively to depress the suboceanic earth blocks. The rocky materials of the tectosphere are probably more homogeneous than those of the overlying lithosphere, but not so homogeneous as the underlying more or less metallic centrosphere. The Centrosphere It is generally admitted that the earth as a whole is five and a half times heavier than water, or about two and a half times heavier than the materials of the rocky crust, such as granite and limestone, with which we are familiar. From this it is inferred that the great massive core, or centrosphere, is very largely composed of iron, with gold, platinum, and other heavy metals. This view is corroborated by the fact that the molten lavas, protruded at the surface of the globe and believed to have a very deep-seated origin, are more basic in composition than those regarded as having a more superficial origin again the ores of gold silver tin and other heavy metals which are found in vein stones of fissures and faults are for many reasons regarded as having largely originated in gaseous emanations from very deep-seated positions further the meteorites which fall on the earth from extraterrestrial spaces are for the most part made up of iron nickel and the heavier metals thus indicating as does also spectrum analysis the predominant composition of celestial bodies the revolution of planets round their axes and round the sun the planes of their orbits and the revolution of satellites around primaries are all remarkable features of the solar system which point likewise to a common origin of the bodies it contains there are many reasons for regarding the whole of the interior of the earth beyond a depth of thirty or thirty-five miles from the surface as having a very homogeneous composition and structure whether we adopt the nebular or the meteoric and planetesimal hypotheses if this great centrosphere be not solid it behaves at all events as if it were as rigid as steel and towards the centre being largely composed of iron it has probably a density of about eight This view is supported by the manner in which earthquake vibrations are transmitted through the great central mass of the earth. Temperature observations in deep mines and borings show that the temperature of the superficial crust increases with depth, the increase ranging from 1 degree Fahrenheit for every 100 feet to 1 degree for every 300 feet. Should these rates of increase continue for 6 or 7 miles of depth, a very high temperature would soon be reached. Indeed, all observations go to show that there is a very high temperature in the interior of the earth. The increase of temperature is, of course, accompanied by an increase of pressure due to the overlying rocks. At a depth of 13,000 feet, it has been estimated at 1,000 tons to the square foot. At such pressures, the strongest rocks are strained beyond their limit of elasticity. In the Montsenis tunnel, A bed of soft granite was met with that continued to swell with irresistible force for some months, sufficient to crush an arched lining of two feet granite blocks. The origin of the Earth's high internal heat has been attributed to the residue of the original heat of the nebula from which the globe shaped itself, and also to the effects of the gradual gravitational compression of the Earth's mass and its condensation during growth although radium is not likely to be present in the deep-seated interior of the earth possibly because of the enormous pressure there still it has been detected in all igneous rocks especially in pegmatites and the quantity in the crust as a whole is believed by r j Strat, to be sufficient to account for the temperature gradient and to indicate that the acid crust cannot be more than forty miles in thickness otherwise the outflow of heat would be greater than the amount actually observed It has already been pointed out that there is more radioactive matter in the red clays of the ocean deeps than in any continental strata. We cannot tell why this should be so, but there are indications that it is very closely connected with the rate of deposition of the marine deposits. End of section 20. End of the Ocean. A General Account of the Science of the Sea by John Murray.